Much like the dude's carpet, they can really tie a country together. But their failure to do so might also tell you a bit about the growing pains of a society. This is the story of a railway scandal that fanned the flames of one of the greatest financial crises of the 19th century. It's also a story about the less than auspicious birth of the Romanian railways, following what is now known as the Struisburg Affair. So all aboard now and let's start the show. <laughs> okay, so we started out laughing, but <clears throat> today I'm very happy to welcome back Adele and hope to have an equally delicious episode, despite not having chocolate as our main topping this time around. So, Adele dear, what have you been up to? I'm not much. Looking forward to whatever it is we're going to talk about today, since I already have the premise. I mean, the, you know, pissed offness. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so you're, you're, you you know... Yes, I've been prepped and primed, which yes, is fine. Well, I mean, <laughs> every time we meet, we need to get angry about something. It's very... Yes. It's, it's very rarely that we get to be like, oh, like, let's, let's, let's jointly delight in uh, something nice. Yeah. We don't get to touch grass that often. We, we don't do that. We don't do that here. <laughs> <laughs> so no chocolate for Adele today. Yeah. However, may I interest you in some trains? <laughs> <laughs> of course, please. I'd be delighted. Get me out of here. Okay. <laughs> What, what is your relationship with trains, Adele? Do you have anything to share with us? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure. Publicly, I have, you know. I mean, I've used them. <laughs> <laughs> but have they used you? I mean, possibly, considering, you know, I've paid to use them, so... <laughs> Yeah, but come to think of, come to think about it, I haven't actually been on a train in a long while. Really? Yeah. You don't use them. I for... really like oh. trains. It's just that somehow the automobile transport kind of took over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't really use them anymore. But yeah, typically, if I if I want to feel, you know, or if I am already feeling nostalgic and there's some sort of melancholy happening, I'll definitely hop on a train and, uh, you know, go to Sibiu or, or whatever. Why is that always the first thing I think about? <laughs> like, hop on a train, I, go to Sibiu. That, I, just I don't know why Sibiu. I actually okay. wanted to ask you if uh, the reason why you don't use the train as often is because of uh, a particular route and maybe the fact that by train it's not necessarily the most yeah the fastest because uh aren't I mean, they I, I, all I, like that <laughs> well yes but the the routes i use going home and visiting friends and stuff while it's obviously not as fast as it should be given the 20th century <laughs> yeah uh, and that is not necessarily as i understand because i have uh, asked why is the train slower now than it used to be when I was a child? And they said, well, it's obviously also the, the locomotives and things like that. They are, some of them are old, but they could go faster. But the problem is the infrastructure is not yes, kept up. Not, so uh... unfortunately, it's not ma maintained and uh, mm -hmm. it's... Uh, the upkeep is a bit shaky. Yeah, but still, I feel like for most destinations, for me, since I don't have a home to go home to other than where I live. 
You were okay. born home. Yeah, yeah. I've, I'm home, okay? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> um, for any other destination, I feel like the car or bus slash car or uh, the plane is way faster. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I think that's also sort of indicative, not just of the, as we said, problems with the upkeep of the infrastructure in Romania, but also the fact that the routes, as they were mm-hmm. made at the time that they were made, obviously they were designed to serve certain purposes, like uh, getting commuters to things like factories or, you know, linking certain uh, cities that have since then had a population decline or just lost their importance in the economy and in many people's lives. And uh, no new tracks have been uh, <laughs> put down. So <laughs> so you get this very... Because as you mentioned, uh, going to Sibiu from Kruštis mm-hmm. to Sibiu, the distance in kilometers or miles or whatever you want to measure it in is not that far. It should be like, I don't know, well, two hours journey. Yeah, but it takes, like I think, six because yeah the the speed but also because there's a detour it doesn't just go the shortest distance so yeah i know i know there's there are also a lot of defunct lines and destinations that you know like they had to manage at some point Mm -hmm. you know with (laughs) i want to say modern times because i feel like our entire life is kind of weird as in we we've been living in modern times but sometimes it doesn't feel like you know it feels like sort of an amalgamation of modern and like pre-modern <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 it's yeah. so yeah it's a very all over the place country that we live in it has so many places it's all over <laughs> okay so i want us to learn more about the strusberg affair today what's that you might ask <laughs> i i will ask <laughs> It's a 19th century railway construction scandal that nearly led to the abdication of then fresh prince of Hohenzollern. (laughs) (laughs) And and was one of a chain of events that contributed to the Long Depression, which was the Great Depression before the Great Depression. You know, because we live in a very stable system. (laughs) Absolutely, definitely. Crying in millennial tears. That's all we have, okay? Dehydrating. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, you might still ask Diana, why would anyone care? Why does Diana want to talk about dead people again? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, come on. History history is history. It's very important to know about your own past. Well, yeah, I, I concur. Because I think that history is basically the shit you forgot about that people still do to each other. So, yeah, so history repeating, <laughs> yes? Okay. <laughs> what hence, have we learned? Nothing. Yes. Okay. Well, and hence the Strasbourg affair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although a Romanian scandal has the easily recognizable shape of a major infrastructure project that unfortunately became fertile ground for funneling funds into private pockets, arranged public auctions, insider trading, and many more. And uh, I hate these stories, really, because a public works should have a happy ending, I think. You know, keep the plot twists and the, the drama for the private sector, I say. I don't know if I can concur. Like, that, does anything that, happen, that happens in public uh, end in happiness? <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know. <laughs> this is about this is about what I desire, not about our realities. I see. Okay. <laughs> see. Now, before we sink our teeth into the actual scandal, uh, let me just give you like a bit of a context for this whole mess that kicks off in uh, 1872, uh, actually, and is known as the Long Depression. So by the second half of the 19th century, you had a number of speculative bubbles ready to burst, chief among them being uh, railroads, because this was, after all, the century of steam. And of course, you cannot have a fully-fledged uh, economic crisis without real estate spinning out of control. Of course. <laughs> uh, and on top of that, there was this whole thing about the sort of silver market crashing because the German this Germans decided to switch to the gold standard and they were getting most of their gold uh, from, sorry, most of their silver from the US. And yeah, so a series of events, but like railroads and real estate were the main ones. The whole panic led to bank runs and bank failures, followed by commercial bankruptcies and severe unemployment, followed by something like 30 years of deflation. <laughs> so not good. And uh, most historical records of GDP, although GDP is obviously not uh, the um, best indicator. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but they show a significant slowdown of growth in most parts of the world for the period between 1873 and 1896. Okay, so trains. <laughs> <laughs> trains are great. We love them, don't we? But how did they end up fueling a bubble? Any ideas? I'm sure it's in the same way that real estate did. Something okay. tells me investing or over investing in something that had no potential or had some potential in paying off, but not a lot. Mm -hmm. So something that was overestimated, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I think in, in one way with things like infrastructure, uh, you tend to think that, oh, okay, so there is a bubble and obviously that's bad, but at the end of the day, uh, after the craziness subsides, you still have infrastructure, which obviously has a very important role and it gives you, your community benefits, as opposed to, I don't know, NFTs. Uh <laughs> Yo, we're not getting into <laughs> NFTs. <laughs> we don't have enough time for no, that. No, 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 no. I, I don't want to, but like, you know, bubbles are not built yes. the same. Yes, but they have the same effect. Yeah. Meow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So you have infrastructure and uh, what went wrong? Well, you see, around 1871, a perfect storm was brewing and to nobody's surprise, it involved the Germans. <laughs> <laughs> Should we cry in Eastern European? <laughs> yes, please, in Balkans. Yes, yes Balkan yes. tears everywhere. Oh, yeah, the best tears, the saltiest tears. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Okay, uh, but, you know, before the pedants attack us, uh, <laughs> technically, uh, we're not talking about Germany yet, because what we now call Germany was at that point still a mosaic of principalities and duchies and the like. Uh, but there was this big wet boy of a place among them called Prussia. <laughs> and Prussia had an incorrigible asshole called Bismarck oh, at its yes. helm. <laughs> so, you know, that's uh, trouble right there. He had his hands on a lot of throats. It's... Mm, that's yeah. very well put. <laughs> yes. He was, he we wa remember. We haven't forgotten. <laughs> he was a choking daddy. <laughs> 
Wow, straight into the kink. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're talking about Germans after all, so. <laughs> How the fuck did I miss that? Weird sex is bound to happen at some point. Hopefully. <laughs> at this point, we're just hoping for it. It's fine. So it was the Prussians who essentially created the Germany we all know and love. <laughs> after delivering a swift kick in the... <laughs> You're delivering it now. I am, I am. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to kick. It was just like a knee-jerk reaction, okay? So after delivering a swift kick in the nuts to the French during the Franco-Prussian War of 1870-1871. But yo, that kick in the nuts was not only like the war itself, but the fact that Fra- they made France pay for it threefold. Pay for the war. Yes, for the <laughs> war in this case. Threefold. So while Germany, I'm sure, had its economic problems and the long depression was pretty long, it still had enough, you know, income coming out from, like, imported from France to, you know, like, be okay. Yeah, but actually, as we are going to learn, uh, a lot of money can also cause a lot of trouble. So, as you rightfully anticipated, during negotiations, former Prussia, now Germany, makes France pay through the nose for the war. And the French had to pay something like 5 billion francs, which wow. at, the, at the time, uh, France's budget, the whole budget of France mm-hmm. was 20 billion francs. Wow. So wow. It's, yeah, <laughs> 25%. It's, yeah, I, I found a comparison on a blog. It said it would be like the US today forking over more than $5 trillion for, I don't know, for a war. But like... <laughs> yeah, but like it was a three-year war, right? So a two-year war, 70, 70 to 71 or 72? No, no, no. Just one year. I, oh, yeah. So, so. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, this mother load of a sum uh, <laughs> yeah, was not paid all at once, uh, but over the course of around two years. But, you know, it was just enough to allow for the speculative bubbles to inflate. Okay, then, uh, what did the Germans do with all that dosh? (laughs) (laughs) They spent roughly 80% to cover the costs of war, put in place a system of pensions, finance the construction of modern Berlin, and many other useful things because they're Germans and they are sensible. I mean, basically, you know, Germany with all the cool things that we still admire about them was basically laying the foundations of that coolness. Yeah, this this is where it started. Yeah, Yeah. this is. And then now we're here, okay? Mm. (laughs) Even after all that, there was still more money left because that payment from France was three times more than the amount of all the money in circulation in Germany. Oh, you! Shut your mouth and look at my wad! So new companies and businesses started popping up, but a fair of those were banks. You can't have too much of a good thing, and banks are not even good things, but... (laughs) Okay. Oops, that was me. That was the second kick in the nuts. Okay. (laughs) So a lot of that lazy money was directed towards speculating on railway building projects, because, as we said, it was the new thing, the shiny thing at that time. Or was it just like the easy thing at that point since it was it had it had reached like the the layperson, let's say. 
Well, I think it was probably a combination of things because obviously you also had many sort of newish nation states or existing nation mm-hmm. states consolidating and that usually meant that they would also invest in, se- <laughs> uh, in yeah. centralizing their infrastructure, linking up the cities, linking up maybe military objectives and so on and so forth. And obviously also, you know, you have the global markets that sort of tend to be linked up and colonialism and all that we're also european it, stuff fine. yes 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 so trades were very useful they absolutely are, yeah yeah that was the infrastructure that was like the mm-hmm. main thing that and you know the naval infrastructure yeah but um there wasn't enough uh, demand for railway construction in germany by that time well not as much as the heated market demanded so uh, they uh, the money went abroad to the balkans and uh, places like the fairly recent established Romanian principalities. And lo and behold, we have arrived upon the shores of these here parts. <laughs> <laughs> what was uh, the situation then in uh, what we like to lovingly call Romanistan? <laughs> <laughs> Like uh, many other countries that weren't calling the shots in international politics in those days or ever, the Romanian principalities had just uh, gotten a brand new German boy to be their prince instead of their previous homegrown talent. Of course. (laughs) Cries in Cusa. I mean, you know. (laughs) Why wouldn't you? (laughs) Thank you, conservatives, again. (laughs) Young... Karl Eitel Friedrich Zephyrinus Ludwig von Hohenzoller Sigmaringen. Wow, that's a mouthful, okay. <laughs> or Karol, for short, <laughs> uh, took a long look at the state of the Romanian railway system and decided we should have some. I mean, he took a very short look considering <laughs> our railway system at the time. Yeah. It was pretty short. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. It was basically linking up the capital, Bucharest, with the port city of Giurgiu, which mm-hmm. was important because it was a link uh, to, the Danube, to the Danube yeah so they eventually agreed on a few routes that would need to be constructed uh, and the idea was basically to link up the north and south of the country at that point the Romanian principalities were just Moldova and Wallachia so yeah. And uh, yeah, uh, of course, uh, you also wanted to have like a window tour towards the world. And uh, that would mean linking up with the railway uh, system in Austria-Hungary. Now, uh, that's all fine and dandy. But the Romanian government by then had a bit of a history of drawing up plans for railways that came to nothing, basically. Why does that sound familiar? Uh, <laughs> Uh, including a proposal that uh, sought financing from Crédit Mobilier. Uh, there are many, many podcast episodes uh, on the shenanigans of Crédit Mobilier. They were one of the most important financial institutions of the world during that period. And they were involved in things like the Union Pacific Railroads mm, in okay. the U.S., and also all sorts of uh, shenanigans with real estate in Paris. Yeah. I see. Anywho, we dodged that bullet. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, the idea is that uh, scores of railroad development plans were already waiting on the back burner. So, you know, what made this one special? Well, networking, that's what. <laughs> <laughs> Um, introducing Bethel Henry Strusberg, 
uh, despite what the anglicized name would suggest, he was actually German, a German railway entrepreneur uh, who built up his reputation as a tycoon. And uh, let me rewind that actually for a second, because the man uh, started his career as an agent for several building societies entrusted to handle members' payments. And uh, for some reason, <clears throat> he took an amount of money and booked a passage to America, but was oh. found out when uh, the steamer had to return to Southampton. Wow. Yeah. Okay, that's... Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I mean, so... you would expect that at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well... After serving some time, Shrewsbury did eventually end up uh, in uh, the U.S., where he became a successful publisher and a journalist, uh, as well as a manager of an insurance company. A a very trustworthy person. Absolutely. Talk about career paths. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. A transatlantic career path. Okay. Yeah. By the early 1860s, he had gone back to Germany. Well, no. Prussia, mm-hmm. uh, and embarked on a second career as a railway entrepreneur and industrialist. I love that word, entrepreneur. Entrepreneur, yes. Everyone's an entrepreneur. Yes. Uh, he had good contacts in the Prussian government, uh, so he acquired the license to build the East Prussian Southern Railway Line from Tilsitz to Insterburg, I think, in 1862, followed by the Berlin-Görlitz Railway, which opened in 1867. Okay. So those were actually finished. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, <laughs> you know... You... Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. Yes. <laughs> you build your reputation at home and then... Yeah. You do a bit of good, you do a lot of shit. It's fine. Of course, as long as it's not domestic shit. Yes. You know. Absolutely. Okay, so back in Romania, the official bid for the construction of uh, those planned railroads that we discussed Mm -hmm. had been won by an Austrian company called Offenheim, actually. However, Strasbourg was very cozy with several high-ranking members of the Prussian aristocracy, and he actually appointed them as members of his board, so... You know, uh, besides that, uh, there was this other thing which probably influenced the decision uh, because he was, Strasbourg was friends with kind of Karo's daddy. Of course. That yeah. makes sense. So, um, yeah, he got the commission. And uh, let me just take a moment to remind you that Karol is considered one of the good ones in terms of the shitheads we had he, as he rulers. Is, he is, he yeah. is. considered one of the good ones, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, but if you think about it, he was, because he uh, was crowned in 1866, and basically at the time of this, uh, at the beginning of this scandal, he was barely five or six years into his reign, and he had already overruled his government to appoint his papa's poker partner uh, with the construction of the National Railroads. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure that wasn't constitutional, though. If yeah, it yeah. Happened, if, it, if he, yeah. Many things were not, but, <laughs> you know. Um, but hashtag not all Prussians. Oh, so sure. let's not. But, I mean, I'm sure he had a vested interest in getting that railroad built because it, I mean, it was his reputation and he needed all the support he could get, considering the fact that at that point in time, I think... 
um, the Romanian sentiment was more of a French. Yes, it was allied. definitely. Yeah. So I think he needed he needed the the pluses on in his court, but I mean, yeah. I, I mean, he, he pro- bet on the wrong guy. Yeah. Okay. I mean, he probably was like, of course, if we hire one of the trusty German uh, compadres. Nothing will. <laughs> yeah, because that's that's the reputation that you know of. That's mm-hmm. what you're used to, and then you make a decision based on that, and you need it done. And then you do unconstitutional shit <sighs> to get that done because you think it's gonna happen, and then it doesn't happen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> Now, <clears throat> you might ask yourself as well, why doesn't a state just roll up its sleeves and execute its own goddamn public infrastructure? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any ideas why that might have been the case? Why we didn't do that at yeah. that point in time? I don't I don't think there was anyone to execute the infrastructure. Even if we <laughs> there had There was a plan. literally not enough state in Romania. <laughs> there wasn't enough. No, no, we were we were very we were we were a burgeoning <laughs> We were very burgeoning in every <laughs> facet of our existence. We really were. I mean, we barely got our independence in 78. <laughs> we weren't even fully autonomous. Well, I mean, you know. So, yeah, yeah I don't, I, we didn't. We didn't have the... Yeah, you, you hit the problem on its head. You hit the nail on its head. Yeah, the I mean, problem, the nail, the... Yeah. It was a nail problem, okay? <laughs> Yeah, because, uh, as you said, uh, the country wasn't fully independent yet. And obviously, there was a lack of experts in various domains that could uh, do things and (laughs) lack of funds. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, you know. I mean, I'm sure there were some funds, considering that, you know, some things... I mean, no, yeah, no. I don't think there were a lot of funds yet. No, because obviously, if you think about the fact that we were a pre industrial country in many ways Fully. yeah <laughs> in most ways yeah. and then obviously you don't have the capacity to uh, produce enough to then have a surplus and hence currency. you're not there yeah. yet yeah yeah you're not there yet so i mean i used burgeoning it in its meaning <laughs> like i i wasn't just trying to be funny it really was yeah. the beginning yeah so the point is that you do need to bring in foreign capital to you know yeah. let them build it uh, use it for a number of years. For instance, in the case of the Struisberg line, the company could make money off the use of the railroads for like 90 years. And they only had to sort of make allowances for the postal office. The rest of the rest of As it. As in not tax it? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then once the lease uh, would have expired, uh, the state, the Romanian state would actually end up with the railroads. So that was the plan. But uh, as we look uh, more closely into this venture, mischief and shenanigans and tomfoolery abound. Uh, first off, the Romanian government offered to pay Struisberg an inflated price per kilometer of completed tracks. Again, very familiar. Okay. It keeps happening. Uh, nowadays, it's more commonly, it's a more common occurrence with things like roads and uh, highways. Yeah, we still have the same issue. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, it's been it's been years. It's been yeah. an eternity. Uh, secondly, the way the deal was supposed to function was that Strasbourg could issue bonds in his fund's name during the construction phase, with Romania then issuing government bonds throughout the 90 years of private ownership. So that was the, the, the process. But the person entrusted with supervising bond emissions was Carol's father's former chamberlain, a guy called Ambron, which was sus because hello, <laughs> how many more of daddy's friends are you gonna squeeze into the deal? And secondly, it was super illegal. <laughs> uh, because at the time, uh, you were expressly forbidden uh, to appoint uh, foreigners to such strategic public offices. Uh, also, Ambron was chummy with Strasbourg. So yeah, perfect storm there. Okay, wait a second. So he represented the Romanian state in the deal? Yeah, he was basically... The, in that sense, he was he, a commissioner? He was the watchdog. So... <laughs> I, okay. <laughs> and in December 1868, Ambron went ahead and issued them bonds, uh, but he did so falsely claiming they were government bonds because, you know, they, they were considered very safe, mm-hmm. so much more desirable. But to avoid being found out, most, most of these bonds uh, were only traded in Berlin, so they never made it to Romania. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, obviously, because the scrutiny would have been way greater mm-hmm. over here. Yeah. yeah. So a couple of years crawl by, and uh, then the Franco-Prussian War begins in 1870, mm-hmm. which means that Prussia's more focused on the war efforts, so Strasbourg starts to come up short, both in terms of funding and labor force. By December 1870, my dude announces he can't <laughs> and won't pay no more, and urges the government to step up and pay up. Okay. Surprise, surprise. Surprise, however, because not only are the builders woefully behind schedule, but the quality of their work is anything but German. But like, weren't the Germans the one build the ones building? Yeah, but like I said, it was anything but German. The quality of their work. Oh wow, mm, it was that's, shit. That's so disappointing. <laughs> no. Yeah, I know. Um, no. And on top of that, Strasbourg's company also reported some 19 kilometers worth of tracks as completed, although they were not, and but asked to be paid for it. That's very sexy. <laughs> but shouldn't, shouldn't like, what wasn't there like a certificate of completion issue? Like there should have been like based on mileage, blah, blah, because he was supposed to be paid by my, no? <laughs> okay, so here's how this one uh, unfolded. Okay. The government t- told Ambron, remember mm-hmm. the guy who's the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, uh, to uh, stop any payments made to Strasbourg, but remember, they're friends. <laughs> So Ambron just ignores them and pays for the non-existent railroad tracks. Like a boss. Okay. <laughs> that's... Okay. Did he serve time or that's that's not something... Oh, we don't... Too big to fail? Sexy, okay. Sexy time. <laughs> I don't know. It's giving me too big to fail vibes. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. <laughs> not yet, but... In a Close. moment. Okay. In a moment. We're, we're, we're going to... Okay. As uh, things begin to unravel for Struzbeck... Spaghetti. The spaghetti monster. 
As things begin to unravel for Struisberg across the board, he blackmails the government by saying that if it doesn't pick up the tab, he will just walk and bye-bye any further railroad completion. By the time, however, a significant chunk of German stockholders, especially the upper crust, were involved in the affair and they weren't about to lose money if Romania decided to just ditch the whole thing. So you said too big to fail. Now it's too big to fail. I mean, if they invest the capital, if they bought the bonds, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens. There's a public outrage over the Struisberg fiasco in Romania, and while a significant part of uh, the public figures already had French sympathies, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. and sided with France during the war, <laughs> the mood became distinctly and at times violently anti-German. Prince Karol is close to abdicating at this point. He calls his papa, well, calls his papa. He writes to his papa, who says, like, Stay strong. Balls of Steel Bismarck himself <laughs> intervenes and in no uncertain terms tells the Romanian government to buy back the stocks for the railways that weren't even completed yet. Or else. Or else. Okay. <laughs> Let's. Uh... Like I said, he had his hands on a lot of throats. <laughs> yep. And that can be considered a dangerous threat. <laughs> so... Yeah. And Romania was very chokeable. Absolutely. If we could put it that way. Because... Still is. It's yeah. Fine. <laughs> we never got rid of that king. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely a sub. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> And not even a power sub. Right? Like, that, mm, it's not even... Yeah, no, it has no, no power. It's no, just subbing no, no, there. Like, just <laughs> eternally, the backup sub. <laughs> eternally subbing. So Bismarck threatened to make noises about the principalities to the Ottomans if they didn't shut up and rescue the German stockholders. A specific segment of the German stockholders, let's be honest. Uh, I, I will read a quote from Bismarck himself, from the man himself. Yes, yes. As he sort of uh, recounted the whole Struisberg affair to the French ambassador a few years later. A few years later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Close to 200 million francs have been swallowed up in these Romanian railways. But maybe if I can have the disdain just sort of shine through, because there's a lot of disdain coming from the man. From us as well, so go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so close to 200 million francs have been swallowed up in these Romanian railways, which yield nothing, and the value of which is hardly one-tenth of the cost. Our greatest lords and our boot blacks believed that Struisberg would present them with a gold mine and a great many risked the best part of what they possessed, believing the promises of this adventurer. All that is buried now in the Romanian mud, and one fine day, two dukes, one general who is on a decamp of half dozen ladies in waiting, twice that many chamberlains, a hundred coffeehouse owners, and all the cupmen of Berlin found themselves totally ruined. The emperor took pity on the dukes, the aide-de-camp, the ladies-in-waiting, and the chamberlains, and charged me with pulling them out of the trouble. I appealed to Bleichroder, who agreed to rescue the Duke of Ratibor, the Duke of Uyest, and General Count Leendorf. But the ladies-in-waiting, the cabman, and the others were left drowning. I mean, that's... I feel like that's, you know, Prussian-slash-German politics to this day. No? Yeah. No? 
Am I wrong? So this is already a shit show. I think we can agree on that. But uh, wait, there's more. A chronicler of the time noted that another important question of the day, buying back the railways. Although everyone agrees it should be done, rumors say some liberals are involved in a business with personal profits from this operation. Which liberals, wait? The Romanian Liberal Party. Uh, So apparently the Romanian Liberal Party was in power during the beginnings of the whole kerfuffle. Mm -hmm. Delayed telling the public that the state would have to buy back the stocks. And the idea being that this way they would pay less for them, right? But the snag was that several party members and assorted rich fucks bought a large number of stonks and this led to a considerable <laughs> increase in their price, which the government was forced to buy back, mm-hmm. you know, with taxpayer money at this uh, higher price. Eventually, the whole thing ended in 1889 and uh, the Romanian state did buy back the, the whole thing and uh, gain full ownership of what would become the first instance of the Romanian railroads. I mean, that's a hell of a way to start. Yeah, I mean, it was quite the christening, right? And uh, it's been uh, going really great ever since. (laughs) It it has had its ups and downs, but it wasn't a very good beginning. Talk about a a maiden voyage. If spawn points are important, this wasn't great. (laughs) I'm I'm sad. I told I'm you pissed. you I I told sad. you you would be by the end of this. I'm sad. Pissed. <laughs> uh, I wonder. I wonder. I mean, I, you know, I'm wondering uh, regarding the effects this whole thing had. Well, obviously on the economy and whatever, but I wonder about the effects it had on the king. Is there is there like anything did he did he say something about this or is there any? It was it was a big scandal. I mean, mm-hmm. when I was reading the Kalinescu's biography of Eminescu. Wow, yeah, that's unrelated. Yeah. <laughs> totally unrelated. <laughs> well, I mean, he was a journalist at that point and more well known for being a journalist than a poet. So, just a small aside for anyone listening who isn't from Romania or is from these here parts, but has not really paid much attention in lit classes in high school. Eminescu is the guy we all have to pretend is the nation's greatest poet, but he was also a journalist for a conservative newspaper at the time, and I'm afraid to say a rabid anti-Semite. Long-time listeners might also recognize him as a member of the totally unrelated expanded universe, as the lover of Veronica Mikle, who testified against another conservative big shot, Tito Maiorescu, in an investigation about diddling young girls while he was a school inspector. So yeah, it was a small world and it was full of douchebags. Back to the show. Uh, and he wrote about this uh, mm-hmm. scandal as well. And actually, uh, one of the incidents that sort of uh, prefaced his going mental uh, was that he uh, got a revolver uh, he, he shot a revolver in a public place and uh, said something about the king needing to be deposed or something like that and it was in relation to the scandal I see wow I didn't think he was capable of anything <laughs> besides poeting <laughs> besides doing poets um See, this is like a very good instance of your intentions don't matter. <laughs> whether his intentions were good or not, mm-hmm. whether he had like vested interest or not, it doesn't matter. Let's say that his intentions were good. 
Well, <laughs> well, yeah. But there also, you go. It's it's also a sign of well, even if you had the purest of intentions, if you are going to go about in the shadiest of ways and do a host of blatantly bad stuff to get that done, you are sort of exposing yourself to a lot of criticism that is going to probably be valid, you know? Because if you start oh, off sure. your venture by, you know, uh, accepting basically someone's commission over someone who has won it, like, legally, and then you're going to appoint someone who is blatantly in a, in a conflict of interest in a certain position, which they shouldn't occupy according to the law of the country you govern. You know what I'm saying. So even if he was the purest of pure hearts, it's... Mm. Mm, that's true. But like, we're in, like, since this, these two things kind of overlap, right? The Offenheim and the mm. Struisberg. Were there no talks with legislators, between legislators in Offenheim and legislators in Struisburg? Or it was like everything... Oh, honey, that's so <laughs> cute. Like, do you not know how things work when they Look, need to I, work I, a certain I... way? Like, when you show up, you know, you know when... For maximum transparency, right, you have these positions, if you hold a public position, right, that has mm -hmm. to be sort of advertised and there's like an official uh, interview or like whatever, a, a written exam or something, right? Uh, and then all those things are supposed to be available for any pro uh, ulterior inspection and such and such. But like... By the time the position is advertised, it is basically already filled by someone. And it doesn't just happen with government positions. Like, you know, recently there was this scandal with, within the, I think, NFL, right? In the US about coach positions being, again, advertised, especially to, like, people of color. Mm -hmm. And they would show up, but it would just be to sort of tick a box. Uh, like, they have a r rule that says they have to be, like, equal opportunity. Right, like so that. it's just it's just for show, basically. Yeah, basically. You just go through the ropes, but you don't actually deliver yeah. Yeah, in a non-corrupt mm -hmm. way, because mm -hmm. that is mm -hmm. what mm -hmm. it is. Okay. I keep hoping for some reason, like, I have this thing, like, I think, okay, but we weren't always like this, <laughs> right? What, 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 and I keep going golden... back, I keep going back mm. in history, and the, the further I go back, I'm like, it was the same, it was the same, nothing has changed, nothing. Well, I mean, okay. things do change, of course, because... Well, like, the principle of the thing, I mean, is the same. Well, because, in principle, uh, some of the things still keep happening, because you don't really have a shake-up of things like power structures, then, at the end of the day, this is what determines many things. So, if... Uh, there's still a very disproportionate way in which power is allocated to different groups or individuals. I mean, I, I'm sure I would do a lot of naughty things if I were given a lot of power and everyone else around me would not be able to retaliate, even though I think I'm quite a nice person. But I would, you know, I would rationalize my decisions and uh, it would seem like, no, I'm just... I'm, 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 this is just normal. I'm not doing anything bad. This is just, it needs to be done. Another thing I don't get about this thing, though, like, he started, like, this whole thing. He started building the railways. Like, he built some of it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, 
long depression, all of a sudden, no funds, right? Instead of putting like, put a pin in it. We can't do this right now. You got to wait some more, right? You have to wait a little bit. Well, they did eventually sort of get the railroads done because as I said at the end of the whole thing the the whole scandal the state did buy back the railways and of course then they built upon that Uh, but they were having trouble both with the amount of the project that was completed and of course the quality of the work. I still find that so weird that the quality of the work was bad I mean they were using were they using local workers or were they using Germans? But that's not the uh, that's not the I mean, point. I'm sure it's uh, going to be a situation that, uh, like it was in many instances in different things in Romania at the time, and and not just in Romania. I'm guessing in all other countries that had ha- yet to have like a qualified workforce in a very specialized fields like engineers mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. So you probably had like German engineers and uh, maybe craftsmen or uh, things like that for very specific things. And then for, I don't know, things like digging or like moving dirt or, you know. I get it. Uh, then you would have the local uh, labor force. And and also I'm I'm guessing the same as with uh, roads nowadays and highways well the highways we do eventually build is a lot of the funds although uh, just like in the case of the Strasbourg affair uh, it's overpriced to begin with when they do the assessment of the project then when the project actually uh, starts you end up with uh, shoddy workmanship because materials are, are whisked away resold for someone's profit or you know you get uh, you are you bill uh, for the you know maybe not the most expensive materials but like high quality materials but then you come in with the cheaper stuff and things like that why 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 are we still doing this Diana <laughs> and by we I mean not the recording us. <laughs> <laughs> the recording but like in general like why are we like this as people humans (laughs) sadness overtakes the ball okay (laughs) thank you carl thanks man this is clearly bad politics and business my dude like this is not how you rule a country and you know it i hope but yeah (laughs) wherever you are yeah yes okay so this is it for today's sadness. <laughs> <laughs> it's cute that it has daily increments. I was yeah. hoping for at least, you know, monthly, but no. Yeah. Um, if you like the show, you know the drill. Uh, share and... Share, like and subscribe, please. Exactly. We're fun. We yeah. promise. Yeah. And uh, see you next time. Bye. Tschüss. Bye. Bye.